Hello and welcome back to League Talk. On today's episode, we have a very special guest. We have, actually, your uh, position was changed. So I was going to introduce you as a strategic coach, but recently you've been moved to the head coach role and it's Torok of Barrage. So welcome. Thank you ever so much for your time. I appreciate you coming on. Brilliant. Why don't you do a little introduction about yourself? It could be your past history. It could be esports, traditional sports, whatever. Uh, yes, so I'm Torok. Uh, basically, traditional sports, goalkeeper, basketball player, very tall, so basically how it goes. <laughs> um, the standard, uh, moving into esports, basically been coaching since June of last year, sort of uh, really when I've officially started trying to be a coach. Uh, Bulldog Esports, my former team, uh, also messed around on a few other rosters, Hybrid and uh, MCON Esports in the Benelux. Uh, ended up on Barrage's split, and yeah, I was pre- previously the strategic coach, and then looking towards Forge Champions, I will be the head coach. So yeah, amazing. And is that uh, is that planning on being a permanent thing, or is it just for Forge of Champions? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, as far as I know, it's for Forge of Champions right now, and then I guess we see how it goes. Yeah. Um, I'd like for it to be a permanent thing, mm-hmm. uh, but that's just how it is at the moment. Absolutely. Well, first of all, why don't we talk a little bit about strategic coaching? Because a lot of people. I mean, it's quite an unusual job title, right? Like strategic coach. What exactly does that entail? And then we'll move on to your new role. So I guess you could talk about it being a bit different to being an assistant coach in terms of I do a lot of the same things. I'm there for a lot of the scrim sessions. Um, But what I really want to try and do is look at more individual things with the players in general about what's strong in the meta, how we can adapt. Is there ways we can fit this into how we're already playing? Mm -hmm. But then the main role is whilst previously Zotari would focus completely on the main team and how he wants them to play as a cohesive unit etc I'd be looking at the teams we're coming up against and how it'd be best to play against them so I'd be scanning through all their games things that they you know differences in how they play uh, what things we can likely expect to pick in which position it's almost like a hybrid between an analyst and a head coach Mm. because I get time and sessions with the team to sort of get them playing how I want them to play uh, against the other team whilst then Satari is also trying to shape them or uh, yeah to try and shape them to how he wants us to play as a team so it's sort of balancing those two roles and splitting the role of a head coach in two mm-hmm. and sort of getting that balance together so hopefully it was going to give us some better preparation going into certain weeks but yeah <laughs> yeah amazing good I guess here's a good question for you actually how good's Kale at the moment <laughs> for, from a strategic uh, well, coach's standpoint how strong is that champion Here's the thing, it's so hard to read. I think in Soliki, Kale is extremely strong because her lane phase can actually be a winning one uh, mm-hmm. when jungle pressure isn't sort of guaranteed to go towards that lane, mm-hmm. and or, which gives her sort of this hugely inflated win rate. And if you get ahead on a champion that's supposed to scale VR levels and going into late game, then of course she looks really good. Mm-hmm. Um, in competitive, it's really, really hard to tell. I know there are important people like LS who think that Kale is like the worst champion. You may yeah. as well be picking Cogmore top lane. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a you know that's sort of the the pit sort of one viewpoint that's become quite popular. But teams in the UK really want to try her out because there's a lot of potential for a champ that can become a lane bully and outscale stuff that's in meta right now, mm. like the Yorick, like the Vladimir. That it seems really really powerful, but I think people just need more time to figure out the correct build, and then she'll be strong. Yeah. Uh, obviously, she she is receiving nerfs in mm-hmm. 9.7 I believe mm-hmm. so it depends how heavy they are whether she'll be continue to see play uh, right now she's struck you pardon myself to play yeah yeah I mean it, it reminds me sort of of uh, Ezreal in a really weird way and I think champions that have uh, the ability to sort of change up their build 
regardless of their uh, runes and masteries as well. Because Ezreal, obviously, he could go mostly AD, he could go majoritively AP before the tier changes and all that. And I think Kale sort of reminds me of that in the same way that you can start off with Blade of the Ruin King, you can go Gwinsu's, you can go through that build, or you can go into AP, which I think somewhat, I think it was Lawlo from Fox Academy was playing a full AP with the throwing an ult on the engage and uh, trying to do AoE damage via that, rather than using it as like a Trindomir ult, if you know what I mean. So exactly. I, I think yeah. that's going to be really interesting to see where people go, as you say, with that build as well. But, um, yeah. go on, sorry. Uh, I guess the thing is, it's not just the build that has to be shaken up for Kale, because yeah. Ezreal nearly always takes Cartomancy, right? But sure. there's depending on the build there are different runes you can also look towards and mm -hmm. so it's make, what making it so difficult for people to discover what Kale's actually strong with because it's such a hybridized champion like yeah. every single item in the game every single rune in the game is possibly viable on her mm -hmm. you know there's even synergy with like Gunblade and Glacial mm -hmm. Augment for example which people have not really tried out but it's something that could, people could even start looking towards yeah. and it's like scary at the fact that there's so much unknown about Kale, yet she has a 56%, 60% win rate in solo queue. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's why they're bringing her down in power, but we just, yeah, it's confusing why she hasn't seen more success, really. Yeah. I mean, good place to start with the strategic coach. I thought that was quite an interesting question. But mm -hmm. moving from strategic coach to head coach, obviously that's quite a big step up. Have you been, I don't think you've been head coach before, correct me if I'm wrong, have you? Uh, yeah, I was head oh, coaching have. for Bulldog. But... Oh, okay. Uh -huh. Yeah, it was. This was before Bulldog were in the UKLC. They were more of a, sure. you know, a team that was slung together in terms of the orc supported us, but it was more of a player-led effort. Um, so I guess it depends on how much experience I had then. Is mm -hmm. very different to how much experience I have now. So yeah, how do you feel yeah. going into this uh, this role then, being the head coach of uh, maybe a slightly bigger bigger team at the moment? How how are you feeling? Are you confident? Do you feel like it's a really big step? Uh, I mean, I think it's a big step in terms of the title. Uh, in terms of how much I'm doing with the team, time-wise, it's not much of a different investment. So it's really the exciting part is I get to shape the team exactly how I want them to play, which mm. is something which it, I mean, it's exactly what you want to be doing as a coach because you want to be seeing your results from how you're prepping, how you're training, and then yeah. actually seeing that pay off in games, right? Mm. Um, in terms of head coaching, I guess that gives me a bit more influence over that. Like last bit I was doing maybe half half and half, and this time I've got 80% 80, 80 or something with 20% going over to to the players and how they want to be doing things so mm -hmm. that's really exciting the head coach role in general though i mean i don't think it's something i'm just very excited to do i'm not daunted by the position i think hopefully we can achieve better in forge than we did in uklc and yeah just aim for that amazing yeah i mean do you think there's going to be a lot more roles for you do you think you're going to have to do different stuff like for example motivation is that something that you're thinking about or do you think it's going to be pretty much the same sort of stuff um, and you're just tweaking bits and you have more control over what's going on? I mean, I think there are other things I've got to be looking at. I mean, of course, I've been helping Sotari this entire split with mm. the entire team. But in terms of things I can start looking at more is obviously he was doing a lot more on how the team develops, how the team wants to play. play and I was doing much more on how he wants to play against other teams. Mm -hmm. So now I sort of get to take both those roles yeah. uh, going into sort of Forge. And that would hopefully mean we have perhaps a more cohesive approach to exactly how we want to play. And I mean, it's something where if I'm drafting, I'm doing, you know, focusing on how the players want to play. And I've also been looking at how the players want to play against the team we're going up against. Yeah. Hopefully that means we've got a very, very strong basis going into into our games. But I mean, we'll have to wait and see. But that's the plan. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, brilliant. So we'll, we'll chat a little bit about this season. Obviously, Barrage... 
I think it would be fair to say was it was a slightly disappointing season for you guys. A lot of people at the start were sort of touting Barrage to be maybe a fourth place, fifth place team rather than where uh, Barrage have been at the moment. So I think the first question is, um, retrospectively, what were your aims? What were your aspirations for this split? Because a lot of people go, well, this was awful for Barrage, but maybe you guys were, weren't necessarily thinking you were going to be fourth or fifth and actually the onlookers have just blown it way out of proportion but let's uh, let's hear from you what do you think your aims and aspirations for the split were well my personal aims of course you want to be aiming as high as possible so mm-hmm. top four was our goal we felt we could possibly uh, if the team was firing all cylinders you know we had a lot of veterans mm-hmm. a really good set of coaching staff everyone working together i mean i think we definitely could have punched for top four a realistic aim would have been fifth to get that buy for forge is probably the most the most realistic we could be mm-hmm. and seventh uh, is a bit disappointing yeah uh, in, like whatever people say I don't think they blew it too far out of proportion mm-hmm. in terms of you know looking at the other teams like Diablos M&M I think they were always the favourites to get top four but it was something we always wanted to aim to push for of and course. then us finishing behind you know yeah, seventh place behind Fila and Enclave. I feel like we could have done better than that, but mm-hmm. as it is, that's how it ended out. And I mean, at least we're not in relegations, right? So <laughs> you know, it's it's not a complete disaster. It's just an unfortunate split. So. The close yeah. one with the relegations, though. There was like one point in it, and it was down to one game. I bet you guys were all having heart attacks. Bless <laughs> we, you. We, we were sitting there having heart failure when Eminem were <laughs> playing. They picked like Katarina yeah, and everything. We were I like, no, that. it's for fun game. But, no, they, they, they came through for us. It's fine. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, then the enclave substitutions. We were really worried again, but yeah. thankfully Diablos pulled through for us. So you know what. We'll take the head-to-head versus yep. Bulldog. <laughs> We're good. Fine by you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, perfect. Because, I mean, the the interesting thing would be to hear from your, your opinion. So, nonetheless, what, what happened from your perspective? Where did it all go wrong? Was there, like, a couple of moments where you were like, oh, damn, like, this was where our season went downhill? Or was there some big blowouts in the team, for example? Uh, I mean, I guess there were a few factors which made perhaps our rotor five top four a little bit more rocky than we were hoping for mm. obviously we swapped out uh nutri after the first few weeks yep. which was a change in the team dynamic but sort of had to be done mm-hmm. uh also we i mean following that we had some of our best weeks in fairness jake put in a really good performance so that brought us back on the rise but before that all of that happened we ended up losing to darkspawn who are obviously one of the teams we have to beat if we're going to be looking towards the the fifth top four spot because but, you know, they should, in theory, be below us. They finished mm-hmm. below us anyway, and we ended up losing to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not the Dark Spawn necessarily a bad team, by the way. It's just in terms of our expectations for the split, yeah. we have to be beating these sort of teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess also then, if we're going to look at negatives, we lost Janklave twice, a team which, if we'd beaten, we could have then been pushing for that fifth spot. So, in reality, it's just the games which we should have been in contention for, we actually performed below mm-hmm. par. And then against the teams which really should have been above us we actually ended up putting up really good performances like i felt all our diabolus games we put in really good showings you know we grew every time we played them uh, we brought them to the nexus for goodness sake but yeah, yeah. it turns out late game diabolus what can you do Pretty good. so yeah i mean i think those would be the main things to talk about in terms of where potentially the split did go wrong mm-hmm. and were there any surprises in the split for you obviously diabolus have uh, gone taken first place for eu masters um the games actually as, as the time of recording the games are currently going on for the the uh, playoffs so were there any surprises do you think Diabolus looking at them now you were like damn they definitely were a first place team or um, looking back was it like Fnatic XL obviously going to EUM I think it really should have been 
Fnatic as like the number one mm. team, but they had some weeks where they they choked. Um, sort of similar to XL, although they've not looked convincing the entire split, even with XL and Kasing locked in. So I think it'd be fair to say, in retrospect, that Diabolus have still outdone themselves. But yeah. in terms of actually now seeing the teams perform off paper, mm-hmm. Diabolus still were probably a first or second place team. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to tell between them and Fnatic because of Fnatic's inconsistencies, really. But Diabolus, what they have going for them is they're a super, super consistent team. Yeah. And in was... terms of... Sorry, carry on. Uh, no, no. In terms of other surprises during the split, I've really felt Jake's performances in AD Carry after he got subbed in mm-hmm. were extremely surprising, but very welcome. Uh, and I, I think he got the credit he deserved the split for actually sort of how much work he put in and how well he played. So just wanted to throw some praise there. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I was going to ask you, were there games that you thought you should have done better in? And maybe that Darkspawn one and maybe a couple of the Enclave games. Were those the main ones? Those were the real standout points where you were like, damn, if we'd have done better against Darkspawn, if maybe we'd have got one one win against Enclave, the whole season might have been a bit different. But was there anything else in terms of the games? I Definitely Darkspawn. Because remember with the tile format, you have to win the first game to then go on to rack up more points. And during that week, there were other team matches. I think it was Bulldog Feeling potentially. Mm. You know, there's other teams we could have drawn then to really try and push for to get high in the tower. And so we ended up losing to in the first round. It's really, really bad in terms of the format. So it's not even just we lost against a team we're not supposed to lose to. Mm. We then lose out on the opportunity to get more points. But no, those are the main ones really. Yeah. And I mean, you don't have to say anything about this. I understand it's a bit of a, a topic that people don't like to delve into too much. But um, you spoke about the tower system. How much do you think the tower system really was to blame um, for teams' poor performances and generally things that didn't go well in the season? How much of that was to do with the tower format? I'll give you an example. So I really think that the tower format didn't lend itself very nicely um, to teams getting... that sort of really competitive environment going into games that really mean something. So when you're scrimming, obviously you want to do well in scrims, but the truth is they don't mean anything, right? So when you go into uh, an actual game, a UKLC game, whether it's LEC, whether it's uh, NA, whatever that is, stage or competitive games really do mean an awful lot. And if you're only playing one competitive game a week because of the way the format was, it feels like that's not the best for team improvement, right? And you can get stuck in this horrible rut of playing one game a week and not really knowing what's going on in terms of how you are as a competitive team in that sort of scenario. But how do you? what's your opinions on the tower system? Do you think it was to blame at any point or is it all on teams all the time? I mean, there's a lot to be said for the tower system. In terms of viewer satisfaction, I think it's one of the best formats to watch. Okay. There's a, they, they put this sort of emphasis on every game matters and it really does because mm. if you do cut out at any point it's really really difficult to then sort of come back in the tower format because there's so much weightage towards the later stages in terms of it being a knockout tournament every single week so in terms of actually watching it best of ones in a tournament sort of setting it's great in terms of coaching it's a bit of a nightmare mm. you have to prepare for not only a team you're coming up against in just the best of one but you also have varying amounts of statistics you can sort of draw on uh, because teams aren't playing consistently against the same people week on week. For example, we never even got to play against Eminem before playoffs, right? Yeah. Um, which, I mean, we're never ever going to play that team this split, which is obviously quite weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not best for placing the consistent teams at the top. I think in terms of how the actual standings worked out, the towers worked, but it's just not the best format in terms of 
coaching for, prepping for players yeah. actually feeling like they know what they're doing coming into game because you can put so much emphasis on the first game, but then you have generally one day to pl- prepare for any of seven opponents which can get through. <laughs> and although you can predict roughly potentially who's going to win which matchups, you then it's an entire random draw mm. against who you're going to be running into next. It's not just like a straight, straight, you know, okay, if we win and they win, we meet them, you know, you see, so you can't just prep for two teams. Yeah. Um, it's a bit of an interesting one. I don't think the format's the best, but it's definitely good to watch. And it's, I mean, it's made the UK uh, different, more individual, I suppose, for people to watch. And that's probably contributed to the high view numbers. So mm. it depends really what you're looking for out of a format. Probably not the best balanced one right now, but it's it's not the worst in the world in terms of there are other payoffs. You know, you're detracting from the, maybe the competitive edge for greater viewership and then maybe next season you can swap it back you know maybe that's what they were going for but yeah that's basically my rough thoughts on it yeah it's interesting i never thought of it from the the point of uh, prep because obviously you have as the strategic coach at the time you had a lot to do with prepping for the for the upcoming games as you mentioned and having to prep for pretty much like a good 80 percent of the teams that are there seems like a, a really rough situation bearing in mind if you look at the lec for example from week to week you have to prep for two teams right you play two games <laughs> And to make it even worse, it's a best of one. So who knows what's going to come up in a best of one? I think it's like proven time and time again when best of ones come up, there's like the the word cheese is an awful word, but there's way more ability to cheese, right? Because it's, you know, best of one. Who knows what's going to happen? If I can get three kills at your red buff level one, maybe the game's over. Um, And that doesn't, you know, you don't get the opportunity to rectify that in a best of three or best of five scenario. So really, really interesting. I didn't think of it like that at all. Um, but I think that's one of the things that shapes a lot of team seasons. But was there any other moments other than, obviously, Jack Amaka or Jake, as you say, coming in? Um, was there any other moments that shaped your season that you thought, actually, this was one of the big building blocks, this was one of the uh, big humps that we had to get over, or anything like that? I think one of the things that really shaped our season, actually, was trying to get that first win on the board, because we had not the most difficult start in terms of on paper, we had Diablos first. We were like, okay, maybe that's a winnable game. You know, this is before we've seen how well they've been doing, right? Mm-hmm. But we thought, okay, Diablos, we can probably win that. Dark Spawn, okay. Uh, I think next week, I can't remember exactly off the top yeah. of my head, but, you know, if we play maybe, I think it was, anyway, we build up against all these teams, which are reasonably good, right? And then we have the Bulldog week where, in reality, we're sitting on zero points. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so are a few teams. And we know these promo relegations are are going to happen right and we don't want to be losing our spots so we have to start beating especially after losing to darkspawn we have to make sure we get wins against bulldog and Phelan. so at that point is when i sort of went into preparation overdrive we had sheets on sheets on sheets yeah. uh, i moved more in on to uh, in terms of drafting me and satari started doing it together so we sort of shaped together the exact game plan uh for these two weeks as went away for a little while i think he had a a holiday uh, sort of midway through his thing uh so i got to take over for the bulldog week for example and what we really want to do then is just hammer home ignoring anything going past that point we have to prep for the first game because what we've been doing yeah. is saying okay you know potentially we can we win this game how we set out a rough basis but then we also start prepping for the other weeks as well so it's more of a mixed preparation mm. we turn that switch to okay we just have to 100% focus on our first game every 
week we play, every sort of scrim we play this week, be it nine, twelve, all focus as if we're playing against Bulldog and how we want to play. And if we don't play like that, then we're doing scrims wrong. Mm-hmm. So we really locked in on that, and that's really what's I think scraped together our our two pretty convincing wins, I'd say, versus Bulldog and Phelan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, regardless of anything else, those are the two games that saved us from relegation on head to heads, and they were our must wins. So I guess that was our our turning point because it borderline secured our safety mm. um and i think sort of that team mentality switch to okay we want to be climbing up the tower and push for top four to okay we could potentially be in a relegation battle we have to sort of make every game count in our in our first game really defined our season when it, we started going past like the first half yeah and prep wise does that mean that your wednesday night thursday de- thursday daytime thursday morning was just tunneled on potentially prepping for the game that if you did win um, for example, with that Bulldogs win, you obviously advance up the tower. Was that Wednesday night, Thursday, all time, just prep, 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 prep for the next game? Genuinely, we would send players away. You know, very good job on the win. Um, me, Satari, Simon, <laughs> Frumi, all of us jump in a call. We're like, all right, who are we playing? We, we the thing is, it's not we. It's not even that easy because like the Bulldog game, we're playing at seven, right? And they do mm. the draw at ten, <laughs> so you don't even know until ten o'clock. Yeah. So you're like, all right, let's start getting all this data together for all these teams we could play yeah uh, if we come up against them what do we do them who do we do like so we've got a rough basis because we've really only got an hour or two to work with before mm. we have to sleep so we're not dead for the next day right <laughs> like yeah we've still got i mean freemies at uni you know me and satari work uh simon working mm-hmm. uh me and satari at school right so the thursday morning and afternoon period none of us are here yeah. so and if we're playing at six, you know, it's like, okay, Rush we've home. got to do all our prep Wednesday night. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it ended up in quite a few late nighters when we did get our first win. Um, and although they didn't pay off, I think it, that was the way we had to approach it because we just had to make sure we got those wins on the board to stay in the league, right? So, yeah. yeah. Seems like a lot of prep sort of goes out the window as well. For example, as you said, seven o'clock to ten o'clock, you prep for, obviously there's four teams, you're one of them, you prep for three teams and throw two of those preps out the window, Nyon, don't you? It's, oh, that's a lot of work, man, damn. Pretty yeah, non-stop. It's not fun, but, yeah. I mean, because <clears throat> it's just so much easier to sort of have more focused and, like, more specific game plans when you know who your next opponent's going to be. Mm. And, I mean, when you have to guess all the hypotheticals three times against three different yeah. oppositions not even knowing what they've played on the patch because mm. obviously the patch is stopping around as well so they could bring out something random which you then have to oh, add yeah. into all your estimations it gets a bit crazy but i mean it's not to take away from it's not impossible to prep for it there is just a lot more that has to go in which then gets wasted and it feels mm. it doesn't feel feel great let's be real yeah well look enough of the negative stuff Props oh, yeah. to you guys for doing all of the work that you did. It seems like it's non-stop, go, go, go. So well done to everyone on uh, on your side for doing all of that and keeping up with it. I bet you were knackered on Thursdays, whether you're at Wait, school, uni or work. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, let's talk about the positives from this season then. So I think Barrage, there were definitely times, there were glimpses of this hope of this team that definitely could have been fourth or fifth. And I think uh, Jack Amaka, when he came in and was doing super, super well on AD, uh, Jake, as you say, um, I think there was times like that where I was like, damn, like this team really is firing here. Um, they look like a contentious team. It looks like one that they could contend for that fourth, fifth, maybe even third, second, first place at times. So what do you think, um, from the team's point of view, from your point of view, what did you think went well this split? Well, I think the things we did really well is, in general, the team really, really kept up their motivation. 
in terms of the games we had to win, right? Mm. So we are always wanting to try new things. There are people yeah. who've for years, so they've got a lot in their wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And that meant, although perhaps we, I don't know, let's get, say, let's use an example and I'll split over. So the Riven game versus mm-hmm. Bulldog. We knew Riven was strong. Yeah. We knew Riven was potentially going to be viable into Jarvan. Um, we had one scrim on it, and that was on Tuesday evening, game three. That went really well before we picked it on Wednesday. And I guess it's like, we talked about it, we knew it was something we were looking to do, but it was because sort of everyone was willing to rally behind a pick in terms of the th- theory, and then because they've been playing so long, they knew how to work around it regardless of the potentially lack of scrim time, right? Mm. Again, it's why we were looking to bring out stuff like the KO, it's backfired as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of that ability as a team to be willing to adapt to new stuff coming in especially in the best one format that was really really exciting to sort of start working with and it led to led to us really firing all cylinders in situations where potentially we shouldn't have been able to because yeah. the riven is a very difficult pick to play around it's not really a side lane and not really a team fighter so in terms of that it's really really promising that we can do that sort of thing mm-hmm. i think there's further adaptation that can be done but in terms of that side of things the team is very willing to try new things and that reflected in our performances in terms of being a bit of a coin flip team i think the potential's there we've shown like against teams which have finished higher in the league than us feeling for example diabolus that we can come up with 10 to 12k leads before yeah. the 15 minute mark if we get if we get going the the problem is that this doesn't happen every game for us because of well whatever it is i think scrims went better than actual stage performances i guess best one format they you know, more cheeses. We were the first victim, Magic Felix Corky, for example. Yeah. Uh, you know, but in terms of all of that, I mean, Forge Champions is the best of three. So mm-hmm. we can do all this prep. We won't get cheesed. And actually, provided we, we're not victim of this sort of cheese format, I suppose something you could say, mm-hmm. uh, then I think this team can really, really go forward and we can be consistent. Like, it's just you only see a very narrow section of barrage because we only won two games, meaning we didn't get to play the 15, 20 games that Fnatic have this split. We played, like, nine, right? Yeah. So the sample size is a lot smaller. And, I mean, we play nine best of ones within a week scrimming. So mm-hmm. it's the sample size people see is not entirely what we are. And I, yeah. I, hopefully we get to prove that going into Forge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because... Look, let's talk about yourself a little bit and um, the team and everything that you're looking forward to, as in looking in the future. What, what are you looking to improve on going into the next split in the tournament? Obviously, Forge of Champions is the, the, the next thing for you guys to focus on. Is there anything that you're like, this is the thing that we need to improve on? A lot of teams talk about communication. At the start, when I was talking to um, all the all of the teams on uh, the roster rundown that I did, everyone was like, we're working on communication. This is the thing that we need to knuckle down on. Is that something that you guys have down, or are you looking to improve on that? Is that something really obvious, like understanding a one three one, for example, or something like that? Well, I think, obviously, on the roster rundown, you don't want to give anything away pre-split, so what's the easiest thing to say? Oh, our communication mm. isn't great, we need to work on that. Yeah. Moving towards Forge, I mean, people have seen us play for a couple, well, multiple weeks now, and if they're doing their prep right, they should see there are a few areas which we need to work on. Mm-hmm. We're a team that has not really been able to pull off tower dives potentially as mm-hmm. successfully as other teams. Uh, we're more focused around playing around these objectives, and then it's actually not gone particularly in our favour because they're more 
you know, we may set up the right scenario, but something could change. You know, Jungler might not be in the position we predicted him to be in. And then the game goes downhill very quickly. So making these sort of guaranteed plays around towers is something we really need to start working on. Mm -hmm. I guess that does come with communication in terms of when lanes have to call for, okay, we can hit here at this time. We're slow pushing a minute in advance. We can, we can dive this tower, right? But I, I guess that's the main thing to work on is actually finding leads without playing through specific objectives because right now we're too potentially linear as a team and we're quite easy for if a team wanted to start prepping towards us they'd see there's only so much they do and they'll go down maybe one of three routes okay. uh, at least that's what we've shown on stage but we want to do is you know when we actually go into forge champions we can be we can show off how diverse of a team we are but just on stage we've been very linear we want to sort of expand outwards from from that just straight line of play mm. yeah interesting because obviously you learn and learn and learn as the split goes by and maybe maybe you learn less because of the the nine games that you played instead of the 18 or something crazy that other teams have played um but what were the big learning experiences for you personally was it you know a lot of people when they get into different roles don't quite understand how the role works for example it doesn't you know, maybe the the way they deal with other people, deal with employees, deal with whatever it may be, bosses, motivation, something like that. Was there any big learning experiences that you picked up working at Barrage and working as the strategic coach? Well, I think the main thing is I've always been on a, an amateur org, right? I mean, I know Bulldog aren't, but they were mm -hmm. at the time, at the time in terms yeah, of League yeah. of Legends, that sort of approach. So I was scrim booking, I was prepping for whatever teams we were randomly going to face in Forge of Champions, sure. right? Because this is just the open bracket of anyone from yeah. the UK, you know? Mm -hmm. Um and it was very much of a, okay, wait, you know, this player can't play this week, right? We're just going to have to scrap in whoever we can find off the scrim boards. You know, it's very, very different to them being on a team with a set roster with a slight budget, you know, a lot of coaching staff and how we want to do things. This meant I was quite quiet, actually, in the first few weeks, okay. which is uncharacteristic, where I was just sitting there and sort of absorbing how a team environment is supposed to work. Because, you know, back in the summer, it was just sort of me dominating uh, communication, speaking a bit too much you know mm. stuff like that yeah. uh, because I was well it's because I was filling maybe three or four staff members roles, roles yeah, in yeah, one yeah. right mm -hmm. um, so this but I was very much sitting back I was watching Satari at least for the first few weeks sort of learning on how you're supposed to coach in terms of when you want to give players breaks what reviews like all of that he's already had some experience in doing so I was trying to leech off that as quickly as possible yeah. so I understand everything right um, in terms of actual coaching when you go one on one it wasn't too much different apart from obviously I was trying to use everything which I then picked up in those first few weeks so moving later into the split I'd sort of absorbed most of that got used to the team dynamic and how things have changed um, and it made things a lot more linear uh, because there are a lot of people who are very dedicated this potentially is their full or part-time job and it made things very you know, interesting as a coach because you had that sort of availability with players so I guess that's where I grew is actually this is my first split on a real uh, invested organization, I sure. suppose, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of huge amount of staff players. And mm -hmm. I just learned the fundamentals of how a team is supposed to to function uh, mm -hmm. on, a, on a basic level because I just haven't had that experience before. Mm -hmm. So I guess that means into next split, I already know that stuff. So I can okay. then just go and focus on my coaching and I'm, I'm used to it all, mm -hmm. have as much impact as possible. And yeah. Oh, brilliant that's a, I think that's a really interesting answer and um, thanks for being so candid as well so honest with everything I really appreciate that and I'm sure everyone who's listening will as well um, but that pretty much wraps up all of the questions I have for you mate so first of all I want to say 
congratulations on your new role. I'm sure that's quite a, a big leap for yourself, and I presume you're super happy with that. Um, yeah. Also, thank you ever so much for coming on and giving your time. I know you're, you're busy at the moment, and I know playoffs are going on as we speak, so I appreciate you giving up your time for that. Um, but if anyone wanted to find you, if they wanted to follow you, chat to you, where's the best place to, to do all of that? Uh, 100% it's Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, just Twitter, Torak Lol, uh, very simple. Uh, you'll see me, big smiling face on my header. <laughs> uh, DMs are open, you know, all that stuff. You want coaching, want to talk to me about anything, I'm there. Um, otherwise, Discord, hashtag 6283, and I'm in the Venger Boys uh, Discord, you know, that, that cheeky UK one. So I guess you can find me anywhere around there. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you ever so much for your time. I appreciate it. I hope everyone that's listened has got as much value out of this as I have. This has been a fantastic podcast. Thank you ever so much for your time, um, and have a wonderful day. Thank you very much.